What's up? It's Burke here. Let me talk to you for just a minute. If you want to know how to turn your dynasty teams around overnight? Meet us in Canton, Ohio on August 14th and 15th at the Fantasy Football Expo. Tickets on sale right now at thefantasyfootballexpo.com. Real original. I know. All the favorites will be there. We're talking DLF, football guys, the Ball Blast girls, Campus to Canton, full-time fantasy, the dynasty nerds, and industry giants like Mike Clay and Ray Garvey. There will be live mods, expert panels, seminars covering anything and everything you need to dominate your league mates. 25 bucks gets you in the door. Another 20 gets you into the pre-show party held by yours truly, Fantasy Affairs Podcast. You get to rub elbows with the greats, meet and greet. Be there. Don't miss it. Welcome to the Fantasy Affair. What's up, my Fantasy Affair? This is Burke here. You can follow me on Twitter at EricBurkeholder6, joined as always by the Bradley Stickler at FF Bourbon Dude. How's it going tonight, Brad? Good, man. I'm taking a night off, though, from the bourbon. Even though I got a bourbon, a Buffalo Trace bourbon t-shirt on, I'm drinking a little bit of beer tonight. Three Floyds, uh, an Indiana beer back where I'm from. It's called the Cheer Team Ale. It's a double IPA. It's phenomenal. It's kind of refreshing. So, and we're we're going to get into some dynasty dynasty talk again today. Yeah, we're going to continue our dynasty series here. Uh, last week we talked about you know check boxes. Everybody says he checks all the boxes. What are those boxes for you? We broke down how what ours are and how we came to that conclusion, so that you can create your own process because we're all about helping you win your leagues. Um, at a certain point. You're still going to listen. It's entertaining, but you won't need us anymore. You're going to know how to dominate. You're going to go out there and execute, and we want to help you get there. So today, we're going to bring out like the elephant in the room that everybody has to look at in July. Are you a contender? Are you on the outside looking in? So are you going to go ahead and go full rebuild here? All right? Are you going to try and win a ship? Are you going to be buying those Thielens, those those Robert Woods, those, those aging vets that give you a couple years of good production or are you going to go the other way and attack draft picks or youth so um, when you are breaking down whether or not you're going to make a run at a title it's very important to figure out which specific year your window is in when do you want to win if you are extremely young and you got t higgins and javante williams and just a whole bunch of young prospects who may or may not be top 12 this year right you expect them to develop into greater players. If if your number one tight end was TJ Hawkinson two years ago, you didn't expend, expect him to lead you to a shit. Two years development, now you expect big things. So it's important to pick your window. If you are in win now, you don't need to go get a Jamar Chase. Though he may be an exception, he may blow out out the gate. You will be just fine getting an aging vet like Robert Woods or perhaps Amari Cooper, where there's some question marks around him, and you will want to attack players that will hold value this season that will give you two years. One of those ways that I identify them as contracts, I can talk about that till your ear falls off. Uh, but we're going to get into this. Brad, when you are looking at your team, how do you identify whether you are a contender or a pretender? First thing you got to do, take those glasses off. 
take off those glasses that got all the roses and tulips and shit painted on them that you're looking through when you're looking at your team. You cannot be looking at it through rose colored glasses. You have to be realistic with yourself. Look at how it actually performed and then take a little bit of those projections, right? Those check boxes we talked about in your player evaluations, start to take a look at what you think realistically it's going to be. Why did you finish with a five and eight record? Well, was it because your team was all healthy and you could only win five games? Or was it because say you lost CMC and Dak? Now you're in a different situation. Well, I lost CMC and Dak fairly early in the season. I didn't have the depth to pick up two elite players in those positions. So now maybe that's what puts you in there. So take a look at your roster, figure out what it is. One of my things that I like to look at is if I've got more than one position of need, and that is not a tight end. So if I have pretty significant need at quarterback and running back or running back and wide receiver, I'm going to go ahead and look at potentially trying to offload those older vets. And I'm going to be looking at a year or two down the road at that point. So if you, if you're in a position of need and you don't have the draft capital, that's when I start to look at, I don't like if I'm looking at a team that I'm like, okay, I'm like the sixth best team, fifth or sixth best team. I'm not the kind of guy that's like, all right, well, I'm going to get to the playoffs and I'm going to figure it out. Because that's just not, that's not how I operate, right? Yes, anything can happen in the playoffs, 100%. But if you're already only the fifth or sixth best team, most likely you don't have the depth to help you once you get there if somebody does get hurt. And then you're in this productive struggle that people talk about where you're always in the playoffs, but you're never good enough to actually compete. And that's not a place I want to be. I either want to go for the ship I want to be a contending team, top two, top three, or I'm going to look at trying to plan for the the next year if I need to, or two years or three years, like you had mentioned a little bit earlier. So those are uh, two of the, the first two things that I kind of look at. Now, you said top five, top six. Are you just going off last year's finish? Like, how do you project out where you rank in your league? I mean, clearly, go off your own thought process. You, you do this a lot, where you look at a roster – and you can weigh them against your own, um, and you can check their schedule. If you've already done your rookie draft, I highly recommend that. There's a few leagues where I think I can sneak into the playoffs, and I look, and I'm, I'm facing two powerhouses in weeks one and three, which now means I'm facing them twice a year, which is four times. That's four games. I'm going to have a tough time making up the difference in the middle. Uh, I'm in other leagues where I think I was on the fringe, and I'm playing – uh, a couple teams that are completely blowing it up. They are 100% attempting to lose. So I can go ahead and count those. That's four games. I can count two or three of those for sure, probably all four, which vaults me up the rankings, whether or not my team stacks up. Because like you said, when you get into week 15, 16, 17, it's a one-week playoff. Uh, there were teams last year that had CMC Barkley and thought they just were going to walk. Anything can happen. There were teams, I had teams with Keenan Allen and Clyde Edwards-Alaire as depth pieces where I thought there was no doubt I was going to be a threat come playoff time. I was already in. I get to week 14, they're both missing time, right? I snuck into week 15 and I got the famous don't sit me game from Keenan Allen. So yeah, yeah dude, he screwed me that, too. And he I left Tyron too. Johnson on the bench, which I 100% would have started. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. 
Plus yep. David Johnson got like 11 catches. I don't know what the hell he drank that morning, but <laughs> hot diggity. He was ready. That like, is for sure. He looked like 2017 version or some shit. Yeah. Um, so, but when you're looking at your, cause you said top five, top six, whatever, you're clearly not one of the front runners, but you're in the mix. How do you gauge that? How do you gauge that? So there's a, a ton of things, right? We talked about injuries, right? Okay. Well, was I in that top six because I lost a couple guys or was that because I had all of my guys all years, my bye weeks were covered. It was just the, the perfect storm for my team that year. Right. There's a ton of things that go into there. Were there other teams that suffered significant injuries? So so your finish necessarily doesn't really tell you what you need to know about your team. You need to look at everybody's roster individually, do an evaluation. And uh, to be completely honest, I've never even thought about going and looking and saying, okay, how are how is my schedule looking throughout the year? to figure out where I think I'm going to be. I just look at the teams because like I said earlier, I'm not the kind of guy that says, okay, I'm the fifth best team based on everybody's rosters. I think, you know, okay, yeah, I'm going to be 10 and five going in the playoffs or nine and nine and six or whatever, or or, I'm sorry, nine and four going in the playoffs. I I don't care about what my record is in the playoffs. I care about whether or not my team is going to be a top two or top three contending team. And I think that's fairly easy to take a look at as long as you think about those checkbox checkboxes we talked about last week. If you haven't, if you didn't get a chance to listen, make sure you go back and listen to fffair.com. Take a listen to those because it helps you figure out how good your team is going to be. You do have to make those projections. Um, So uh, the other thing that you look at when you're projecting your team is whether or not you expect your your players to be ascending or descending. So what I mean by that is, you know, okay, well, I've got I had Adam Thielen going in. Well, okay, I do you expect a 30, 31 year old wide receiver to be ascending or descending? Right. It would not be surprising if you see him take a little bit of a step back vice versa, you know, T Higgins, some of the rookies that come out, some of the second year uh, wide receivers. Now you're looking at those guys saying, okay, well, you know what? I think maybe some of those guys are ascending and, and they're giving me a better chance. Right. So again, you're looking at at projections moving forward. I think it is a combination of projections and variance. People will say range of outcomes. And when you look at a specific player in your eyes, there are a lot of players that have a very wide range of outcomes. Elvin Kamara is almost assuredly not outside the top 10 at running back, but the difference between running back one, which is like 330, 350 points and running back 10 is like a hundred and some points, right? Uh, Darren Waller is almost assuredly not outside the top five at tight end. So there's a variance there, right? Where as you look at another player, Aaron Jones, if Aaron Rodgers does indeed leave town, which it looks like he will return. There is a, this is interesting. I want to talk about Aaron for just a second. There is a board meeting the day before camps open up. And I think he wants the GM to have to deal with all that shit, right? Answer all those fucking questions because you don't have them, right? So they're going to be pissed because he's a petty little pastor. And then I fully expect him to show up for for training camp because he wants to win a Super Bowl. And and then he's going to want to get traded. And so there's a chance he gets traded before the season. My opinion, this is just opinion is that he will be a Packer this year. But Aaron yeah, Jones and Devontae Adams, that's where you're at too? Yep, yep. I think we'll agree on this too. Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams have two very different outcomes. We saw Devontae Adams, who has always missed a couple games, with 
Uh, Brent Hundley under center finished as for the majority of that season finished as wide receiver 15. So I think that's his floor and wide receiver one is his ceiling. So if, if it's Jordan love under center, I still think that Devonte Adams has a pretty safe range of outcomes. Could he finish way outside the top 20? Yes, absolutely. But that's not part of the variance I'm going to bring into play. I think 15's his floor, one's his ceiling. So when I am gauging a team and I'm looking at Devonte Adams, he's a one in my eyes. I don't see him dropping out of that. Amari Cooper is a low end, one, high end two. Again, I think he's what 15, 16 and up. Right. So, but you're looking at a Brandon Cooks who could have Tyrod who throws the ball 17, 20 times a game. And he's not hyper efficient with his targets. He needs volume and big plays. Right. So his volume isn't necessarily a ton of catches, but he needs opportunities, um, especially with Tyrod throwing the ball. It's not going to be on the money. Or Aaron Jones. Let me circle back to him. If Aaron Jones is the starting running back under Aaron Rodgers, I expect top five is his ceiling, top two, whatever, up there. But his floor drops out for me. It does, in my opinion. I could see him falling. RB20 is unrealistic. RB15 is probably it. But the difference between wide receiver 5 and wide receiver 15 is a gap. Don't get me wrong. It's rough. But there's a whole bunch of guys between 9 and and 17 that you can plug in. Yep. The difference between a top 5 running back and running back 15. Top 5 running back. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott was RB, what, 9 last year? 9. Yeah. RB15 was Naheem Hines. That is a colossal gap. <laughs> so it's colossal. You can't count on him. He'll have a couple games where he may or may not keep you in it. He's not going to win you anything. Whereas Zeke is steady Eddie, even in an off year. So I think Aaron Jones falls into a higher variant. So when I'm do- looking at projections, and you can't just go off the site, says you're going to score 209, and this guy's going to score 175, and so you figure you're better than him. It's a good rough gauge when you're getting started. It's a good rough gauge when you're getting started. But when you start breaking down each roster, we play in 12-team leagues. That's 11 other rosters to break down. There's a lot to take in. It can be overwhelming. So if you don't know that you are a shit team, you should look to acquire rising assets at a value. If you know you're a shit team, you need to sell out and get draft picks because draft picks don't lose value. But you need some overpays because you're a shit team. You need some help. If you are, if you don't know you're a great team, right? That doesn't mean that you can't buy specific players that are descending because their value, their production is insulated due to variance. You look at variance outcomes. Keenan Allen comes to mind. Robert Woods comes to mind. You know, how far can they fall? I don't think they're going to fall very far. They could rise a little. They probably won't get a value spike because they're going to be 30. When they go into next calendar year, next, next off season, right? They're going to be a little three zero next to their name. It's going to kill their value, but their contract is secure and their variance is secure. So you can buy descending assets because it's a discount to give yourself a run when you're one of those middling teams. The toughest part is in dynasty leagues. People say your first or your last, you either want to have a stack team or you want to just be completely rebuilding and blow it up. And that is a great mentality for a lot of people. I don't do it. I am 100% okay with sneaking in the playoffs because anything can happen. Because I have had juggernauts, I mean stone cold, not lost a game in the regular season, get beat by some scrubs in week 15 after a bye week and just throw your hands up, don't know what to do. And on the flip side, I've had other teams where I thought I was going to be competitive, littered with injuries, change of scenery, the variants caught up to me. I somehow snuck in, and then they just happened to blow up. I mean, we all remember Higby 
We all remember Perriman in Boston Scott. We all remember Kenyon Drake just straight winning people titles after a trade and a change of senior. A guy that was on your bench that you stashed because you couldn't move him suddenly is DRB1. It's only a week, people. So if you're in the middle, it's a very weird spot to be. That's the toughest spot of Dynasty. So a lot of new Dynasty owners or, or some vets just choose to go 100% tank because it's safer and it's easier on their on their mind. They know that if they get a whole bunch of draft picks that they're going to be a powerhouse at some point. That's how they see it. Draft picks bust. And we got a great article by Garrett Vienna at FF Goldmine on FFAffair.com that breaks this down. Go ahead and use the search engine. Search for Garrett. Search for bus. Search for draft draft picks. Search for rookies. It'll all come up, right? And it just shows you that if you can't guarantee it's a top six pick in a super flex league, it might be top seven in super flex, top five in a one quarterback. The bust rate is way too high. Kirion Johnson was supposed to be a juggernaut going to the Lions. Even look good in his limited capacity. Sammy Watkins was supposed to be the next second coming, okay, of like Jerry Rice. He was going to just absolutely light the world on fire. Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry, Kenny Galladay, um, who's the guy for the Bucks? Godwin, all were Godwin. supposed to be bums, all of them. Nobody wanted any of them, right? The NFL writes its own history. So when you just get draft picks, it's not to draft. It's to get yourself in a position to win now, Right? And when you win now, you can turn that draft capital because it's insulated into winning pieces like Keenan Allen, like Robert Woods, with the variance like Aaron Jones risking it that if um, Aaron Rodgers comes back, we know Aaron Jones is going to have a fantastic season. And if that guy's skittish about it, go get him. If you are in a complete, utter rebuild, right, you know what you got to do. You got to sell out. If you're in the middle, this is a great spot to buy ascending assets at a discount because if you do, you sell your second and that guy thinks it's the 205 and you end up competing, you can win a trade. Jameis Winston comes to mind. Last year, two years ago, Teddy Bridgewater was a big buy for me because they will get a value spike. Gallup comes to mind right now because if he stays in um, Dallas, they probably let Cooper go and now he's the two. We've seen what he can do as the one. And if he leaves town even if he goes to a bad spot like kenny galladay did this year they paid him and the narrative allows you to flip him because it's a value spike Corey davis was a great buy last year because you know he's getting a value spike so if you don't know and if you're, if you're in the middle you want to buy players that can still be somewhat productive that can have an opportunity to really really not only win you your league this year like a Jameis winston but to bump in value next season so that you're insulated, you can get that pick back, right? And if you're on the cusp, that's when you go get those 29-year-old wide receivers, those 25, 26-year-old running backs. They can give you a nice little one and done, but you got to know this is probably it. Uh, the last point I want to bring up is if you're not sure, I always bet on myself. I trade my own draft picks away and let my team decide whether or not I knew what the hell I was doing. Sometimes it backfired. I had a team I thought was a stone-cold stunner. I finished fifth from the bottom. So somebody got the 105 and 205 for a steal, right? But if you had finished in a second or third, then I would have won those trades by a wide margin. So I bet on myself. If you don't know and you are skittish for your own mental security, man, so you can sleep at night, 
Keep your own draft picks, which means you're going to have to break down some of your favorite players for somebody in other people's draft picks so you have you have some wiggle room, like a Russell Wilson. If you're in a complete rebuild, Russell Wilson's great. He's going to hurt you because he's going to score points, and now's the time to get out. They just fired their offensive coordinator. That's because they run too much, but the bottom line is, or because they pass too much, but the bottom line is Schottenheimer does not pass too much. So they brought in Russ, who said he wanted to trade, now denies that. Everybody's kiss, kiss, you know, tongue in cheek. Yep. If you could sell Russ for one of these rookies that you like outside of Zach Wilson, don't fall for that trap. And a first and a second. Now you have a first and a second that you can move because you're in full rebuild and you still have your quarterback that may not compete this year or even the year after. And you're going to be begging for one of those Josh Allen leaps, but you know that your window is not this year or next year. It's a couple years out. You've identified your window. You got to get rid of those guys on two-year deals and into those guys that can get value spikes. And you got to get those draft picks, right? Yeah. Can you shorten that window, you think? Or do you think that two to three years down the road is is kind of you know the happy medium? Because I feel like if you've got a Russ, you can move a Russ for a guy like a Joe Burrow and something on top and be looking at potentially competing one year down the road instead of two or three years down the road. Now, maybe you don't get that second. Maybe it's Burrow in a first, or maybe it's Burrow in a second, right? But I, I feel like you could still move a guy like Russell Wilson, who's, what, 32 or 33 years old, a consistent top 10 quarterback with a guy, a young sophomore season quarterback who's coming off an injury that if you believe in him and you believe in the offense and Zach Taylor and all of that, that you could get and shorten that timeline from two or three years down the road to maybe the following season. I feel like two years is the window, not three, you not next year, but the year after is what you shoot for. Because then you can twist the narrative that I'm in full rebuild. Let me hook you up. All I need is your draft picks. Go win. Go win, man. You can sell that to people instead of, you, I'm going to help you win this year, but then you're going to have to face me next year. You yep. won't be able to get probably Joe Burrow for Russell Wilson straight up because people that have Joe Burrow are sold. They're dug in. Players, rookies get their biggest value burst, whether they were good or not. Game Makers is a great example. Between years one and two, Miles Sanders is a great example because coming off year one, anytime they flashed, people like to extrapolate that out. Okay, Cam Akers, when you look at his fantasy finish last year, was abysmal. But damn, did he finish strong. Is he going to get 20, 25, 30 carries every game? No. No, nobody does, man. Nobody does. When it's crunch time, he will. That makes sense. Red zone targets. Not saying he won't be good, but his value spike right now is ridiculous for what we've seen. On the flip side, in Ezekiel Elliott, because he's 25 and people are scared of the cliff, he has fallen in value tremendously. Zeke for Acres, I bet most people would take Acres, especially on Twitter. Ignore Twitter these times, these times of year, especially those polls, because if it's youth or draft picks, they just choose that, right? Nobody's projecting out. They just want ascending assets. That's all they want. So I don't think you can get a Burrow, maybe a Tua because he kind of struggled, but I think you're still going to have believers. You might be able to get him. So according to Keep Trade Cut, you might be able to get him straight up. They've got Russ fairly Burrow. similar yeah. fairly similar values, which yeah. is shocking to me. There's no way I would I would put something on top of Russell Wilson for Joe Burrow. That's crazy. No, it'd have to be the other way. So you're That's holding crazy. Russell. Yeah. So you, you try and get in on the unknown because rookies will get that value bump. So if you trade 
it's a horrible deal. You trade Zeke for Javante Williams in a first, and he asked for a second three years down the road or some crap. He absolutely got bent over. Javante Williams has a nice end to his season. He's going to bump. If Javante Williams is hot for three games between weeks three and six and gets hurt since the rest of the season, he's going to get a bump. If Ezekiel Elliott finishes wide, RB9, 8, 7, 6, anything outside of the top five, he's going to take a dip. So you get an auto value bump, and then you flip Javante Williams. So you get absolutely bent over in the trade because you're not playing for this year or next, right? You're trying to shoot two years down the road. So you can flip Javante again and get into that 2023 draft class, and that's where it's at. So rookies always get a value bump. No running back will be more valuable. There's some exceptions. But in general, running backs are not more valuable than after their first year. Look at Josh Jacobs, RB8 last year. People think he's dead because Kenyon Drake came to town. Get out of here with that. All right? You either liked Josh or you didn't. But Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake is a good Sure, sure, it's Jamal Williams. Who gives a shit? <laughs> so. You only play one at a time. Do you think Drake is somehow going to take Josh Jake? No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. See, that's the narrative. So he gets an auto drop, even though he just finished RB8, right? Whereas coming off year one, when he was like RB21, everybody knew this year was coming. Everybody wanted to call their shot. It gets a huge bump. Miles Sanders is the best version of this. Because he gave you a five-game sample size down the stretch against soft competition, which we see with Javant, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Now, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is special. But same kind of shit where he just blew up towards the end of the year. And so people think he is a first-round startup pick. There's not enough volume. Like, there's not enough history for me to bet on that. I'm not going to do that. If you're right, badass. Good for you. I'm not doing that. Antonio Gibson last year was stone cold lights out. I love, I love Gibson. It's a, it's a weird spot because I love Scott Turner. So I think he's insulated, but I know that you can't just do that. You can't just trade Zeke plus for Gibson. If you're right, badass, but that's bad process. So there will be an exception. Gibson's probably my exception because I would do that for him, but I wouldn't do it for Clyde. I wouldn't do it for Swift. You know, I wouldn't do it for Akers. Gibson's the one that I think I would do it for because I'm going to call my shot. I'm going to be one of those suckers, right? But you got to know that from year one to two, everybody gets a value bump. So you don't want to buy Joe Burrow now because if Joe Burrow struggles this year, they're going to be like, well, that's the real Joe. When Baker struggled, they're like, well, that's the real Baker. When Herbert struggles, they're going to be like, well, see, he fell to earth. The hammer finally fell. He's going to take this huge dip. So if anything, you want to buy second year guys that are going into year three, and that's risky. So you get the rookie, you sell them after their rookie year, and then when you finally have enough draft picks that you can just start buying you know, assets like the Keenans and the Woods and the Zeeks of the world that people are low on, Russell Gage, everybody's sleeping on, you might be able to get them for a third, right? You take your shots that way in that specific year, and if you plan it out well enough, you will have enough first and second round picks in a two- or three-year window where you'll be able to keep a first and second in every round in the future if you don't believe in your process, keep your own. If you can bet on yourself, right? Keep somebody else's that you think that their team is descending as your team is finally hitting its peak. But I like to play dynasty with a little bit of a redraft twist where I want to win now. Who can help me win now? I'm not going to buy Adam Thielen because his contract is pretty much guaranteed this season. Next year, they're going to save money if they cut him. 
they're going to save money. So you might get two. But I will buy Keenan Allen, who's 29, past his AJ Pecks, because when I look at his contract, he's locked for two. I will buy Robert Woods because he's locked for two, right? Amari Cooper's a little bit interesting because he's only 26. He'll be 27. He should be entering his prime. He's never really broken into that top echelon. And I'm pretty sure after this season, his contract is pretty much they can get out from under it. They can cut him or trade him. So <laughs> I look at the contract for security because you're playing for two years out. And the only way to know where somebody is is they have to pay him, right? Yep. They have to pay him. Yeah, the other thing to think about, yeah. right, you talk about buying those guys is when you're evaluating your team, look at the draft picks, right? So, you know, I'll, I'll use an example. You know, I lost Dak and I lost CMC in a league. Those guys go down. I ended up like three and ten. Pretty pretty rough season. But I made a bunch of moves in season because I knew I wasn't going to compete after that. I ended the season with five firsts after that. I had moved CMC. I didn't have him anymore. I kept Dak. So you're looking at the team. You're like, uh, you know, I'm in that five or six range. But I got five firsts. How can I use those first to now turn this team into a team that will compete and be a top two or three team hands down with depth and everything? And that's, you know, that is you hear people call them the, the great equalizer, right? Those draft picks will equalize anything that you want to do. So now you have the luxury of going to get some of those guys a little bit cheaper uh, you know, like you said, the Robert, you know, do you want to go pay two or three first for a DK Metcalf or a Tyree kill or an AJ Brown or something like that, where now you just have that one piece, or would you rather look at moving those in smaller bits and ending up with a Keenan Allen and a Robert Woods or a Keenan Allen and a Cooper cup with a Melvin Gordon going into last year type of deal right now. You're, you're getting these pieces that really help solidify your team, both in a starting lineup and depth wise. And I think that's another crucial aspect of people's team build. Some people like to get one guy and build around them. In order to do that, you really got to do it in the rookie draft and you got to be patient because he's almost not going to, he's not going to produce as a rookie He's going to be overhyped, underhyped, whatever. It's going to be all this uncertainty because we haven't seen it. Like Hopkins, for the last three or four years, I just was in love with. And now suddenly I question it when it's silly. It's silly because he's hitting that age apex. Right? But, but to acquire Hopkins prior to the season, it was unbelievable. If you want to go get DK and build around him, you can't build anymore because what you have to give up to get him. Now there are exceptions where perhaps you have a very high asset wide receiver one, that will put up similar numbers, okay, but is older, and somebody that has a lot of value in the dynasty community, but you want out on. So there are exceptions. But my style is to get a bunch of picks and then use those draft picks to draft and flip at the end of that year so that I can plan two years out. So if you're just asking me, do you want DK Metcalf who, or A.J. Brown, swap, insert name here, elite-ass Justin Jefferson, elite-ass young wide receiver. Or do you want Keenan, Bobby Woods, and a Melvin Gordon-type style? Maybe it's Chris Carson. Maybe it's a second. You could swap names. Yep. I want the vets. I want the vets. because, Or I want the three first-round picks so I can do whatever the hell I can with them. I don't want the one guy in a rebuild. Because if that one guy does something dumb, you know, speeds while he's drinking, drinking and driving, uh, or rolls his ankle, or is or – playing Lamar Jackson was playing football on the beach the other day. And you're like, dude, if you hit a hole wrong, like 
my values plummeted. I want my draft picks because whoever gets selected in the first round of the NFL draft before my rookie draft, they can't all break their leg, right? Somebody's <laughs> going to stay healthy. Whereas if I invest in one guy, even though it might be the right decision, perhaps it was like a Patrick Mahomes that you just are. That's a guy to build around, right? Does all the right yep. things, says all the right things, elite as hell. But I can't just say the guy's going to be the next insert greatness here. So I would keep the draft picks or get a bunch of valuable vets. There's nothing that says that Keenan Allen would keep coming back because these are the names I keep trying to get in this offseason. Can't like finish top five or even wide receiver number one this season. It's in the range of outcomes. Ooh. Now, when I look at variants, I'm thinking wide receiver five to wide receiver 15 because that's where most people fall because to say the guy's going to be number one, that's tall order. But you got the Saints coordinator coming in. You got him getting at least 150 targets. You got Herbert, who's an upgrade over Philip Rivers of late. You got a yep. defense that's supposed to improve, which will keep them in games, right? But I don't think it's going to be dominant. So he's going to have guaranteed opportunity, great young quarterback that's going to lean on him, an offensive coordinator that has proven that he will funnel targets to one guy if that's how you win. Yep. There's nothing that tells me that Keenan, what if he scored 14 or 15 touchdowns? Because you know he's getting the catches and the yards. Well, and he's always been kind of a, an above-average touchdown producer, right? Uh, I mean, he's always had quite a few touchdowns for what he's doing, right? I don't know that. When you're looking at Let's look, six, eight, six, well, six, six, zero, four, four, eight. That was kind of my point that he's getting the yards. He's getting, he got a hundred catches, then 104, right. then 97, then 102. He's getting the catches. He's getting north of a thousand yards almost every season. Last year he was at 992, but he missed some games. Not to mention the aforementioned, like, don't, st don't sit me game. Right. So he 100% would have broke a thousand yards. He would have crushed a hundred receptions, not targets, receptions. And he's still at eight touchdowns. So God forbid he has a Devontae Adams-like touchdown production. This guy's the one because you already got the yards and the targets, which are projectable. Touchdowns are a less sticky stat. Is he a red zone threat? Hunter Henry's gone. Melvin Gordon's gone. Right? Do they have a big power back? You can start naming Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson and Justin Jackson and the last guy. I keep thinking Larry Dokes. Roundtree. Larry Roundtree. Dokes is in Miami. But they aren't red zone threats, and Mike Williams may or may not be able to stay on the field. So if they're going to score touchdowns, there's a world. It's in the range of outcomes that Keenan Allen is the one. He's the number one next year. Plus, people get hurt and shit like that happens, right? We saw Mike Thomas just absolutely blow up without a lot of touchdowns because he had like 160 catches. It was ridiculous. So yep. it's in the oh, – yeah. but when you look at variance, you can't just say, well, it's 1 to 20. You got to – where do you think – I think he's probably wide receiver 5. Yep. But I'm aware that he could be outside the top 12. So I'll put him between 5 and 15 when I'm looking at my own team. Yeah, so you talked about your draft picks and, and whatnot. So something I've seen, especially this year, you know, we're, we haven't even touched the NFL field yet. Are you looking at when you're rebuilding, for instance, you're looking at, hey, I'm, I'm trying to play for a, ch a championship two years down the road. You're looking at this 2021 draft class and saying – I've got Kyle Pitts, I've got Jamar Chase, i got Trevor Lawrence. I've got guys who immediately after the rookie draft, I could turn and flip for two firsts and a player. Is that something you're looking at doing, or are you building your team around those rookies now 
because understanding those draft classes and understanding that those players' values are immediately worth more than what they cost you in the rookie draft, where you're immediately gaining value and you're not taking the chance of them busting on the field. Is that something that you look to do when you're in a rebuild? Well, those three in particular in, in my on my board in the Superflex League are all top five picks. And so if you get two first round, would you take pick six or pick 11, 12? Because I will take pick six every day of the week in every given year. Now, I yep. understand that you could have gotten a T. Higgins at 11. Eh, what's another good name at 12, right? In, in 2020, well, I mean, you, you could have got, got Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I T. saw Higgins, CD Lamb Jefferson go 12. And, and Herbert, they were all falling, right? Yeah, that was yep. crazy, Brad. Yeah. Right, in 2020. But you also could have got Rager and Vaughn. Whereas if pick six, I'm going to hit. Like, I feel like I'm going to hit. If I miss and I get to pick that early, it's on me. It's not taking what fell. So when we're talking about top five picks, no way in hell. Now, sometimes you'll see a team that is trash, that has Connor and David Johnson as their only running backs on the team, right? And they got Sutton and Kenny Galladay and then Russell Gage and Jameson Crowder and shit like that. It's their only wide receivers on the team, and they want – Kyle Pitts and they'll they're willing to give you their first plus somebody else's and if you can turn that into a top five pick again I understand the allure I don't know how teams are going to finish at the end of the year that's why this is tough because you got to just look at your own team so and I know that rookies even if they struggle bump from year one to year two you think Jamar Chase's price tag is high now he can eat shit for 16 weeks and put up a 40 burner in week 17 and and it's going to be even higher. God forbid he's great all the time, right? Go buy Justin Jefferson now, you know, good luck. Good luck. So, and then Jalen Rager, right? Say, cause that's the later, but these are top five guys. There's nobody outside of the top five that I, I'm not moving them. I'm going to build around, especially Kyle Pitts, Trevor Lawrence, all of Jamar Chase too, all of them. Najee Harris. That's a name I would move, right? Because it's a running back. I love that you brought that up because when you're looking at that two or three years, you don't like don't waste your first year those picks on running backs. If you need to move them, move them, load up on quarterback and wide receiver. And when you're a year or two out, that's when you draft your running backs. Yeah, it's the last piece you add. Yes. Is running back and the second to last piece is your tight end. Yep. Because you don't have to have an elite tight end to win. You don't. Because once you get into the one-week window, everything he's done in his career is out, it, it's out the window. And now it's one week. So running backs last. Now, it does not mean that if I had pick three, four, five, six, well, I guess it would be pick six or pick five because I would go Lawrence, Lance, Pitts, Chase, Harris. That's how I got it set. So, but, so if it's the fifth pick, I'm sure shit I'm taking Najee Harris. And he yep. sure as shit is on the block. And I'm going to ask for three first, and I'm going to settle for two first and a second. And I'll, you could spread them out whatever year, but I'm attacking the 2023 draft class because that's the class I expect to turn it around. And yep. I'll draft my running back then. I'm not going to draft a running back in 2022. So what wide receivers are coming out? What quarterbacks are coming out? This is where Debbie Deep Dive really helps. You're looking at Howell. You're looking at Rattler, and I'm sure somebody will emerge. Fuck Howell. Fuck Rattler. I can be wrong. But right now, they don't have it. They're not Kyler Murray. They're not Trevor Lawrence. They're not. Even Tua Tungavaloa, okay? 
They're freaking Zach Wilson. And I don't, I'm not going to build a dynasty team around Zach Wilson. Now, if one of them gets top five draft capital to a team I love, like Trey Lance did, because Trey Lance, I have a love joy. I've always had a love joy. If he doesn't go to San Francisco and he ends up in Carolina, which I still would have been cool with, or Denver, it's not the same, man. It's not the same. We got a team with a fantastic coach that gave up all of his draft capital for the next two years to get one player. He's going to make it work. Yep. Right. Whereas we look at Jalen Hurts, another great example in Philadelphia. He can ball out. He could play his ass off and get replaced next year. Absolutely. That can happen. That will not happen to Trey Lance. Another guy that's a vet, Matt Ryan, can ball out and have all that contract. He'd still get replaced next year. Somebody that can't is Matthew Stafford because the GM and coach need to make it work. Right. They need to make it work. So, uh, that's something to look into. You don't just say it's a top five pick. It depends on the player and, and your evaluation, which goes back to the check boxes, right? And how you evaluate each individual player and then your overall roster. So the question, answer the question, if it's, if it's Pitts, if it's Chase, if it's Lawrence, if it's Lance, I'm keeping him. If it's Najee, I'm still drafting him, but I'm looking to flip him. I do not want to trade back in this draft class because the next two people I would really like to take are Javante Williams and Travis Etienne. And then you're looking at Zach Wilson and, and Mac Jones, and none of them scream elite. And so if you're going to keep a player or trade a player out, I want elite. So Najee Harris is right now projected to be a top 12 running back based off volume. I don't even doubt it, really. I mean, who knows? He's a rookie. But, dude, the, it, they're going to feed him. The offensive line was a problem. They totally revamped their offensive line. The offensive line last year was a problem. So I'm cool with that. So maybe he struggles. Maybe he has a shit year that that would almost help you in decreasing your own draft capital. And no matter what, no matter what, if he pops at all from year one to year two, his value goes up. Instead of somebody offering you two blind picks, now it's three, and then you can see them because you're coming up on the draft class and you have a better gauge of people's uh, people's roster constructions and their tendencies. Yeah, yeah. So, so I've got a much different perspective because I never trust guys that have not touched the NFL field, right? So if I see an immediate change in value like that, I mean, day one, you could turn around and offer two, a, a 22 first and a 23 first and a Tyler Higby, and you ain't getting Kyle Pitts. Like, that's how crazy that values change immediately after the draft. For some of these guys and for a guy who, uh, you know, everybody loves, I get it, but the chance is there that those guys are busts. So to be able to gain that immediate value, especially when you're in a redraft, especially when you're in a rebuild, I think it's something you should evaluate, right? Uh, like, let's say that's the only first you had, right? Let's say you, you, you did a, you ended up with some injuries, you ended up moving some picks that, that didn't come out. It's the only first. You've only got 122 first. It looks like it's going to be early, so maybe you get your quarterback. If you can move that for some serious pieces, I I have a hard time saying no to that right now. I mean, I've tried to buy a few, and and I'm not saying Kyle Pitts is bust because I've tried to buy him in two specific leagues with what I would consider gross overpays, and guys were just like, nope not moving him like that's just crazy to me it's just crazy to me so yeah part of that is betting on an organization too yep 
because I'll take Trey Lance over Zach Wilson all the time. And I think Trey Lance didn't face better competition, but I know he had a better offense and that North Dakota State translates. That's a, that's some inside deep diving shit, right? Yep. Then it does at BYU. Um, it's it's that it's the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch against the Jets, who have Robert Salah. It's fantastic. They got Mike LaFleur. Really believe in that. Yep. But they also have an owner who had his brother take over, and we saw what he did. He paid Gase and then committed to him halfway through the year and then wrote him out again and then shipped out Darnold for a yep. second so he could take Zach Wilson. And now that brother, the actual owner, comes back because Trump doesn't get reelected. So instead of being an ambassador, he comes back and gets his fingers on the team and so you don't know his allegiance to any player. You don't know who's in charge. You don't I mean, know who's in charge you, for the Jets. You, you kind of do because they reached and took Zach Wilson at 102. So, I, I mean, that to me is the first in, inkling that Woody Johnson, that's his name, right? Yeah. That Woody is back in charge. See, and I, I, I think that that was Mike LaFleur influencing that. Oof. Because they think that. That makes me question Mike LaFleur then makes me question my – maybe, maybe. But it makes yeah. me question my view on Zach Wilson because I could be wrong. They think he looks like a young Aaron Rodgers. And when you look I've at the tape side before. by side yes. – Yeah. Yep. You, when you look at the tape side by side, it's tape. Anybody can put together two plays. But it is eerily similar. It is. Yep. The way he flips his hips, the way he can just – I mean, he flicks it. He doesn't even throw it. He just flicks it. On a line, yep. sixty yards, accuracy oh, yeah. or not, that that does you're not born every day like that. Right now, there's a character thing with Zach Wilson. The biggest thing is that Aaron Rodgers sat for years behind Brett Favre, learned the NFL. He knows where the grocery store is. He knows who's folding his laundry. Right, he he has the reg the the, the the routine down. He knows he's waking up. He's doing this. He's going there. He's watching this. He's watching tape. He's hitting this. He's hitting the treadmill. Whatever. So by the time he got his shot. Not only was he incredibly hungry and irritated and just fucking done with the whole damn thing, but he had a chip on his shoulder, you know, the size of Wisconsin, and it showed every year yep. of his career. Oh, yeah. So I don't it know. Still it, it still he, does. It still does. He's still an honorary little fucker. He still is an honorary, <laughs> petty little motherfucker. And yeah. when he hits the football field, I expect, the best to play. I expect 35 and 4K at a floor. Yep. Right. So oh, yeah. it is yeah. what it is. Um, <laughs> we kind of got off tangent here, but it, when you're looking at those, those top draft picks, because maybe Zach Wilson's your fucking guy. You got him at the one Oh two and super flex league. You don't want to let him go. I get that. It's the running backs. You got to flip. Right. And it's the quarterbacks with draft capital outside of the top 10. And so you're staring at Justin Fields and you're staring at Mac Jones. And I believe in both of them. And I believe in New England more than I believe in Chicago, but I believe in the whole thing. I think everybody's going to work out outside of Zach Wilson. The bottom line is if you can flip fields for a a couple of firsts, and that's you can't just sell them for two. You need three. Who the hell's going to pay three? And yep. so you're going to have to get his 2022, 2023, and 2024 first and spread them out. And then doesn't even really help you. It just gives you extra ammo. Um so, so there's questions to be raised there. But the bottom line is I'm not flipping them in their rookie season. I'm waiting until the sophomore season, which is why I think you can flip a Russell Wilson 
for a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields. Are you sure she can flip him for a Zach Wilson and a first and a second in a heartbeat to anybody that thinks they have a remote chance of competing because Russell Wilson will play, will play elite, and will have, will play as long as that guy's rookie deal. So he probably will play in the NFL as long as that guy does unless he pans out. Yep. Um, hell yeah. All right, man. Let's move on to reading the room here. Reading the room. If everybody's selling, become a buyer. And, and content is key, as always, right? And trying to connect the dots is key. Uh, I'm in a brand new, took over a brand new orphan in a very fun league. Everybody is selling because there are two absolute juggernauts. And so I'm making tiny deals to try and get some sort of draft capital, and it's not really working out. I'm having a tough time, and everybody wants to sell. Nobody wants to buy. And so I'm thinking about flipping on its, on its ear and becoming a buyer, man, because Keenan Allen is available. Ezekiel Elliott is available. These two guys that I just brought up, they are. They're on the block. you got to pay. Fucking pay an appropriate price for them. And my team is a little bit outside outside of the playoffs. Like, I'm not top five at all. I'm probably bottom three. But if I can add a few clutch people and everybody's selling, if everybody sells out for draft picks, now I can get into the playoffs default. And if I can sneak into the playoffs, anything can happen. And so normally there's no way in hell I would do this. I'm you're not you don't give up a top five pick for a 25-year-old, soon to be 26-year-old running back or a 29-year-old, soon to be 30-year-old wide receiver. You just don't fucking do it. Don't do it. They're not worth that. Especially yep. if it's not the last piece. You wait until that rookie draft when you are on the clock looking at the 105 and going, look, dude, it's too much. And you ask for something on top, or you just pick your guy. But if you can just default, get into a shot at the money, just default, because nobody else even fucking wants to try. There's a part <laughs> of my soul that is like, dude, I'll take my free shot. Yep. I'll take oh, my yeah. just don't cost me too much. I still need to have my own draft picks going forward, you know, because shit could go sideways on me. I'm still gonna be able to have to be able to pivot, which is gonna be tough in season because everybody's already gonna sell and the draft picks already. So you kind of have to make your own bet. So that comes to content here. Whereas if if nobody's buying, you can't just sell. So you have to sit if you're a shitty team. Or make your bed where you are just going for it. And so then you got to pick the year you want to win. And make sure it's not a one-year deal. Mike Davis is not the key to success here. Miles Gaskins ain't it. Okay? But those guys that you know will give you two years that have proven to produce that are locked into their roles, mainly at the wide receiver position, they're worth a buy when everybody's selling because suddenly you can get them at a value. Talk to me, Brad. What do you do when you read the room? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Well, the first thing is you got to know, to me, the the best thing for you is to know who your league mates are, right? Some guys are going to value rookie picks over everything else. Some guys are going to love veterans, right? You've been talking about veterans the whole fucking show. We're not even talking about what the show's supposed to be. Out. We're just talking about Bobby trees and Zeke and all these other guys constantly. Those I'm, I'm going to send you some trade offers in a, in a few leagues when we get done tonight. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm selling all my, my vets to, to Eric. Because I know Eric's Eric in a buy mood mid July because everybody's selling <laughs> and draft picks yeah. are so. There's time of years is our last pop, right? And so yeah. I break. I cannot wait to do it because it's. Hey, you're peeking behind the curtain. 
Yeah, just rip the curtains down. <laughs> so you have, right? Let's just start at the beginning. You have the beginning of the season. Got week six. Got week eight. Got week ten. That's the trade deadline, right? You get into the postseason, and somewhere around the the Pro Bowl, right before the Super Bowl, everybody's about to dip. And so there's a key selling opportunity because the trade window is back up, back open. Then you get January and February. Most people are dead. There's just much of sharks. You got to find a way to get value. Steal all those guys that'll get hype. Traquan Smith and Adam Troutman, all those dudes that you can get your hands on that might just get any sort of buzz that you could flip for whatever. Right. And then you get into pre free agency. And this is like swarm season. And then as soon as it turns to post free agency, you got to already know where you're going. Like, hey, dude, this guy's going to be a Packer. And that guy's like, well, I don't know if he ended up staying there. I might pay that, but I don't think he will. And it's Aaron Jones stays. You got to immediately get on it because that NFL draft is too close. It's too close. So then you have pre NFL draft where draft picks are just through the roof, right? But people are still, still skeptical. And then as soon as people get landing spots, all the values fall into place. Jamar Chase goes up. Kyle Pitts goes up. Mac Jones goes back down. Javante Williams stays about the same. Michael Carter goes down. Chubba Hubbard falls off a cliff. You know, <laughs> Tylen Wallace falls off a cliff. Rashad nope. Bateman falls from number one or two down to like five. Jalen Waddle, people don't even like, or they're like, well, fuck, it's like the sixth pick in the NFL draft. Yep. Like, come on, over Devonta Smith, which is so all the values fluctuate very quickly post NFL draft. Yep. And then you get to this dead zone. In June and July. Now, the the rule is your draft picks are worth more pre-NFL draft than ever before. And then when you're on the clock is your chance to cash in. But really pre-NFL draft. And then they slowly dissipate all the way through week 17. And then they start to rise and then they peak again pre-NFL draft. Well, Dynasty was such a big thing in 2020. So many people open leagues that everybody wants to follow the trends. Yep. So my draft picks in the middle of fucking July are worth the same as they were for the 2022 class. And these motherfuckers don't even know who is coming in 2022. Like you, <laughs> you don't know that one of the best running backs coming out of like Iowa state, that's not a good sign. Right. <laughs> so, so they are still paying 2020 prices halfway through 2021. So I'm like, fuck, dude, I think I'm a buyer in this offseason. You want to zig when they zag. So that's the next part is just explaining the rises and falls. That was like a real quick version. But I've been talking about the same couple guys because I am shocked, shocked at their ADP. I'm shocked at their availability. I'm shocked that they're not even on the block. And yet when I ask with them, they're like, oh, yeah, he's for sure gone. Joe Mixon. Look, Joe Mixon is – I fucking hate Joe Mixon. He's 24. Fuck Joe. I'm about to buy the shit out of Mixon, dude. He's 24, Good. locked in, nobody behind him, Geo gone. What the hell? Third what do you round, want? Third round is the highest that dude. I've seen him taking right now. People are like, just give me two first. You're like, dude, what if I had the two best first? They don't give a shit. They're not looking at that at all. Yep. All right, I'll give you pick 11 and 12. 10 yep. and five, you know, what, it, what is it? Was it eight, eight and 10 at best in 2022 for Joe Mix? I get a whole free year. Fuck yep, yeah, it's, gr- it's gross. It's gross. Yeah, but anyways, 
Yeah, knowing what your guys like, that's the important thing, right? Guys are going to love veterans. Some guys are going to like youth. I've got a guy, love you, Dano. Dano is a rookie dude. He will pay out the ass for rookies because that's what he likes to do. That's how he, but it's he's just constantly in this cycle of youth, right? But you know, guys in your leagues are going to have their preferences. Homers are some of my favorite to go at. Hey, I got a Dallas Cowboys fan. I know he wants Zeke. He sent me a couple offers, but I know I can get more. I'll move Zeke to him later on because he'll be more willing to pay more. So understand little stuff like that. Know who their favorite teams are because they've got, uh, we talked about rose colored glasses earlier. They've got those glasses on. Know who likes veterans, know who likes rookies, know who likes the picks. That's that's the first thing when you're talking about reading the room and figuring out who to buy, who to sell, who to go after, who to talk to. Um, the other thing is figuring out what other people are trying to do, right? So when you go through that evaluation phase of your team, you're looking at everybody else's team also. So you're getting a gauge of who the sellers may be and who the buyers may be. So now you use other tools on, okay, well, I'm, str I'm strong at running back. This person's strong in wide receiver, but they're rebuilding. So maybe I can move uh, some draft picks to get a wide receiver instead of giving them a running back. Whereas with a contender, I may need to move running back to wide receivers. So pay attention to what other teams are going to be looking to do in the offseason too, because that can be played to your advantage or at least make trade negotiations go a little bit smoother and a little bit easier. Yeah, it's yes, it's the, the <laughs> most, I don't even know how to, how to emphasize that because you should just repeat it. Just rewind and listen again. Yeah, Dano, right. pick a fucking year you want to win and go get somebody. Dano dude. doesn't know how to win, just man. Fucking, if it's 2024, just fucking spy all the rookies for two years and just fucking sit on them. No. Find, just find out. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> no, we, we all know that guy. And in all honesty, at one point or another, we were all that guy that did something. Yep. And then looked. I just traded for Rob Gronkowski two days ago. I've never, I tried to withdraw as it was going through. <laughs> I don't even know what to think about myself. Why? Oh, Does it man. matter what I gave up? No. Why in the fuck? Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey. Cool. All right. Let's go to Robbie. <laughs> We've all been that guy. I was on a, I was on a tangent, man. I was, I didn't oh, give up much. Shit. I gave up a third and an accountant, but it was like, dude, I want, I want, I want Rob. I want Rob. And I did it. So you got to pick the year you want to win. Um, but communication and just your relationship with your league mates is the most crucial part. Like, I'm sure Dano doesn't give a fuck how he finishes. He's having fun, dude. And that's why we play Dynasty. Yep. If you want to win a bunch of money, play DFS in those giant tournaments. See if you can hit one. Play redraft leagues. Play cash leagues. Right? Play a bunch of shit like that. Dynasty is about the people you're with, man. We talk about this all the time. Community is, is key. And you want a sense of being in a family. And you're not. You can call them brother or bro or whatever. They're not really your brother, but... Some of them might like you better than their brother. You might like them better than your own brother because you're <laughs> friends, man. You want to you want to have an organic ecosystem. My brother in the left league. my league. Out yeah, of I know anger. his brother. He his league mates like him a fuck a lot. It's more than just his funny that you brought his, that up. His brother yeah. left. I love my brother to the death. So uh, it's different, but I get it. I get it. Right. Oh, and so when you're building those relationships, figure out their tendencies. If you don't have a, a stout memory, take notes. Open up a spreadsheet, put their name next to it. Take some notes. 
If you can't do that and you're lazy and you go to click on a dude's name, look at his transaction history real quick before you start talking to him. Look at his recent trades. Figure out his trends. It's a real quick way to do it. As soon as I get in a new league, the first thing I do is look at transactions in the league. Then I look at each person. Then if somebody's like, hey, yo, I like yada, yada, I click their transactions. I look, you know, their picture is a picture of a Raiders helmet. I'm like, <laughs> I got Henry Ruggs for you all over it, right? <laughs> Shit like that. Like, it's just quick pickups. But as time goes on, figure out tendencies and, and generally, like, genuinely try to, to have a good time. You don't have to help them improve, but we all have that guy in our league. And one of them may be on our staff that just bends people over all the time. Every offer is an overpay. Everything he says to you is my player's gold. Your player sucks. We all have that guy in a league. Don't be that guy, man. Don't be that guy. Be better than that guy. Doesn't mean you don't have to just try and He's win. Not talking about me. I lowball the shit out of people. No, you don't. You overpay like a motherfucker. But that's not the point. Uh, and so when you get to know your league mates, know where you can go. And that's a big thing about tying tying things together. We should get into rebuilds on the next. We should just identify how to be where you can identify your team. Because I have so many thoughts on rebuilds that are um, – I've written a couple articles about it. I've done a couple pods about it. But it's like it's a, it's a continual motion thing. Yep. And once the dust kicked up, knowing how to – get information and then you know capitalizing on that and when you're in a dynasty league for a long time and you're active and you're just talking to the people i mean fucking i'm in a couple of leagues where they just show pictures of their dogs and their kids all the time it's fucking great you just hey everybody's doing it so you're at the park take a picture of your kid on the swing everybody's like fucking adorable it's great it's it's like a little mini community of family so it's it's awesome that's what yeah. dynasty leagues should some be some of them right? are yeah some of them are great some of them are cutthroat everybody fucking hates anybody those are fun too just know what you're in and and read the room. Read the room. Figure out what other people are trying to do. Use that to your advantage. Sometimes you're losing a trade, but you know that if I make this move for this player and he's a rookie, I know Dano will buy him. And even though I don't want Zach Wilson, Dano will pay an appropriate price. So look at Dano's and try and find ways to tie things together. And that's just an example. I don't know, Dan. I'm sure he's fucking awesome. I bet he wins. I love you, Dan. I'm going to root for Dan hard this year. (laughs) But you just figure out who wants what. And if you can ask nonchalant questions like, hey, man, I just got an offer in another league for – you know, Tyler Boyd, how you feel about him? This guy's like, fuck Tyler Boyd. You're like, okay, well, I know I can't go to him. <laughs> if somebody else talks him up a little bit, you can't just make, take a trade and flip him for supreme value because he's not going to just take that. But you can take a trade and sell him a little bit less and make the trade work for you without making it a three-way. One of my biggest errors in dynasty, I've had a lot. One of the biggest ones, I had these deals lined up. They were ready to go, right? And I tried to make it a three-way. And they cut me out of the deal. And these two fucking teams got so much better. I'm sitting over here with shit I don't want that I knew that guy wanted this, and I don't want what he's going to give me, but that guy wanted it, and I want what they both have. And instead, I'm on the outside just twiddling my thumbs like I never should have sent that three-way trade. They weren't going to do all that work. I just did all the work. So so you want to be able to string them together. Dude, it was brutal. Oh, was man. Brutal. All right, man. And, and – um. So let's let's talk about what to give up, and then let's get them out of here. We'll talk about how to actually flip a rebuild. So when you're trying to identify whether you're a rebuild or a contender, in quick summary, can you give me somewhat of a quick summary? 
oh geez shifting gears on me yeah so so the first thing you got to do figure out where your team is talk about veterans talk about draft picks look at other teams evaluate all the other teams it's a, it's a conglomerate of information right because those draft picks are going to help you your vets are they ascending are they descending players the, all those different things that go into it but that's the the quick little nutshell because hell yeah man you look at your team you <laughs> use the projections for each player and combined variance so don't just assume this guy's going to be top 10 because you love him okay but don't just assume this guy's going to fall off because you hate him so find a middle ground, all right? If there are two or three teams at the Stone Cold top, that means it's open for grabs. If everybody's pretty well distributed, man, it's tough. It's tough. Don't just sell out because it's comfortable. But if you're new to Dynasty and you want to build a super team, the easiest way to do it is to acquire a shit ton of draft picks and to overcharge people trying to sell them on a title and taking their firsts and seconds in multiple years. And if you can't get it next year, push it out two years because you're picking your window. Isn't 2022, it's 23 or 24. So get those 23s and 24 picks and and capitalize then. Another great thing to do, which he kind of referenced, was find veterans that are ascending. Michael Gallup will either have a new home, be re-signed by the Cowboys. He's almost assuredly going to get a bump. He's almost assuredly going to get a bump, Right. You look at some other veterans, Melvin Gordon is almost assuredly going to take a drop. Okay, but he's still valuable. So get rid of those guys that are going to drop while they're still worth something. And if you can get a player back, especially at the wide receiver quarterback position, that can get a bump. Jameis Winston comes to mind. Teddy B came to mind. Um, You know, it's tough to call now, but Drew Locke kind of comes to mind. He might get another shot, right? And you can get him dirt cheap. Get him dirt cheap. So. Jimmy G there it is Jimmy Garoppolo bingo Jimmy Garoppolo is in the black and yellow in Pittsburgh next year I won't blink two eyes at it I mean that makes absolute sense that they would have a team that competes and be looking at a late first late second and they want to and San Francisco wants out of the contract they go we'll give you our second right now or you can cut him or pay him 24 million dollars your call yep so Jimmy I just sent a trade offer for Jimmy G maybe an hour and a half ago. Yeah, I think I might need to do that. Yep. I think that's a fantastic play. Now, is he a QB1? Fuck no. He's a middling two. He's a middling two that's a product of a system, right? But if you can get him as a throw, like, okay, let's give some trade situations here. You've got David Johnson. That guy wants David Johnson. You can give David Johnson – and a third for Jimmy Garoppolo because he doesn't need Jimmy. He just needs a running back, and that three is the 301. I would do that in a heartbeat. Yep. Right, because it's essentially a second, but it's not necessarily a second. Okay. Right? You can't give up your second-round pick as a rebuild because you're fucking yourself. Or if you happen to have the best team in the lead second, and you can flip that knowing it's a 210 or later, maybe it's a 207 yep. because he gets robbed somehow, fine. For Jimmy Garoppolo, cool, because you know when Jimmy gets a new deal, the hype goes up. And you're going to get at least that back. Would you move so like those bottom tier two or tier three quarterbacks, or, or not tier two, those bottom QB twos or high end QB threes for Jimmy G plus? Because right now you got to think Jimmy G's in like the thirty, the mid thirties in quarterback rankings. So if you could move like a, I don't know who's in that range. Um, 
Darnold. Low QB2. Sam Darnold for a Jimmy G in a second, right? Or something like that. Would you? Lance is owner, that maybe. something you're You got to read the room. For? This is, goes back yeah. to reading the room. You got to know where that draft pick is going to fall. If that guy is stone cold locked, why is he getting Jimmy Garoppolo? That's dumb. Yep. He's not doing that. He's, uh, I get, I mean, why is he taking Sam Darnold? That's dumb. But if he somehow believes in him, now you can find guys in the middle that want to build around Sam Darnold because they love Joe Brady. Yep. Right? And all the weapons. There are guys out there. You got guys that you can buy Jimmy Garoppolo. You could sell Sam Darnold for a second of Jimmy G, knowing that Jimmy G will either get a job or have trade value right now and get that second knowing it's it. That guy's probably not going to make the playoffs. If he does, it's going to be tough for him to make a run. So you're yep. looking at the 204 to 207. Would you trade Sam Darnold for that? No, but now you can take Jimmy G and wait for him to get a gig and sell him for two seconds or perhaps the first or right now, go find the Lance owner and go, let me give you Jimmy G for Michael Gallup or some shit. I mean, you can turn these into yep play after play after play, where these these trades will be your losing value by consensus and yeah. winning in the long run. Right? Yeah, sometimes thinking about, you know, a two or three stop path to getting the player that you want is something to think about, right? So just like what you talked about, maybe you don't want Jimmy G, but knowing that you can move Sam Darnold for Jimmy G and a pick and then moving that pick for something or moving Jimmy G for you eventually get to the player that you want. You just need to know what the play, what the the owner that has that player that you want, what they desire and figure out how to get it in the, in the meantime. And you're, you're adding little bits of value, or you can even say you're losing value in one, but by the end you're, you've gained by the time it's said and done. Yeah, value spikes and dips are tough to predict in a general sense, unless you're just focused on contracts, focus on those contracts. So people will think you are, and you'll totally shift the momentum of the league and it'll piss everybody off, but you're not winning in 2021. You don't even want to compete in 2021 or 2022. So you get these people off your team and you acquire those draft picks. Do you want the 211 or the, do you want the 206 for Sam Darnold? Fuck no. I want Sam Darnold every day of the week, and I'm probably going to hold him and hope he does anything. But what are you going to flip him for? Is anybody going to give up a first-round pick in your league? If the answer is no, go get a couple of seconds because Sammy ain't helping you, right? Yep. He's not going to turn into a top-five guy. That's not going to. Can he be a productive quarterback? Can he be somebody that stays in the league a long time? Fuck yeah, he could. I don't know. But he's not going to turn into a first in most leagues. So you got to go get two seconds because you don't have to draft at those seconds. I cannot emphasize this enough. It's just an insulated piece on your team, on your roster that doesn't cost you a roster spot. And then you ride the dips and the flows in the offseason. So in most years, sometime in April, before early May, right, you can flip whoever that second is right before your rookie draft and you can get multiples in 2023. And that's the class you really want to attack is 2023, maybe 2024. And if you're totally rebuilding like 100% garbage on your team, you need to flip assets for any sort of draft pick and not worry about what that means for your team in the short haul. As long as those assets aren't elite, you don't just fucking flip digs. Right? You don't just fucking flip Michael Thomas. 
right? You don't just fucking he's, flip. He's Hopkins. throwing shade at me right now. No, I'm just naming the elites that are on the down. Right, you go get an appropriate price, and if you can't get it today because it's July, you wait because these pick values are going to lower as the season goes on before they take a spike. And if you can flip it in week ten to a guy that thinks that Hopkins is the difference between him and a title, and it damn well may be, you can sure shit get two firsts and a second if that first is first and second is next year, and then other firsts is in twenty twenty three. And so you're taking a late first, and so you're losing value, and you're helping him win. You're acquiring draft picks that are insulated and getting outside of a piece that is dipping. Now, the Corey Davises, the rugs, the the people like that that may or may not pan out, that's where you look to just get assets if you don't think you can win. Right? Yep. yep. David yeah, Johnson, perfect. James Conner, Chase Edmonds, uh, so many running backs, Gaskins, Jamestown, a- anybody that has threat to their job in, a, in an upcoming uh, year Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Jalen Hurts could absolutely be the shit and still get his job replaced, or he could be the he could be the next Russell Wilson. So somebody find somebody that's willing to pay an appropriate price, a first and a second in any fucking year, and some sort of piece, right? Because that's the appropriate price. And if that first and second is in twenty twenty four, that's a steal for him because he doesn't give a fuck. He can get those pieces back, and it's good for you because you're insulated against him failing and falling on his face. And if he turns out to be awesome. More power to that guy. He wins a trade. But in a rebuild, you have to take risk. You have to take on the Jimmy G's and the Jameis Winstons at quarterback. You have to hope to hit some shit, right? Because you are yep. so far behind that you have yeah. to hope. You got to give it, yourself hope. And there are times that it it is not going to work out, right? I took my I took my shot at whether you want to say it's a good shot or a bad shot. As soon as the season's over, I went and got Kenyon Drake in a couple leagues that were rebuild thinking, okay, there's a, a chance that this guy goes to a, an area that doesn't have a Chase Edmonds where he's going to get the receiving work, which is what he was good at in Miami. And then he goes to Las Vegas, right? So, uh, you know, you're going to take shots on guys that you think their value may go up and it's going to hurt sometimes, but you still have to take those shots or it's going to be way more than a couple years before you can catch up. Well, you'll just never catch up. Yeah. Uh, I would emphasize, as you already alluded to multiple times, which I think you may have learned from that trade, don't buy running backs. The running back's not on his rookie deal. You don't want him. Just don't fucking buy running backs. Get out from under running backs, especially in rebuilds. Buy wide receivers and shitbag quarterbacks. Really just buy wide receivers because people will – blow up and be top 20. Anybody could be wide receiver 15. Anybody could be wide receiver 15. Brandon Cooks is wide receiver 15 every year. He doesn't even always have great years, but you look at the stat line, you're like, hot damn, 1,000 yards, 80-some catches every season. Yep. And so you can flip that knowing that every single week you don't necessarily want to drop Tyler Lockett or Brandon Cooks into your lineup. But it's so easy to sell, especially to people that just click the name and see the stats next to it. Don't look into yep. how we got there, right? So you want to buy wideouts. Uh, I I have Gallup in three leagues now out of nowhere. I don't even like Michael Gallup. But he's like almost free. People are just throwing – they're like, I'll just throw you Michael Gallup in a trade that I almost would have taken anyways. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I look into it. I'm like, two years ago, he was wide receiver 19? Like, how the fuck did I not know that happened? <laughs> what the hell? So then I go try. I watch some film on my NFL network, you know, Game Pass. I'm like, this dude's pretty solid. 
because anybody can be top 15. What you're looking for is the elite asset to win you weeks and win you a ship, which is why you don't get out of those elite assets just for any draft picks, right? And you yeah. don't, and then you get out of the middling guys and you hit the waivers and hope to, and hope to get lucky. You're not going to go buy Traquan Smith in a rebuild. But Ooh, if you're a contender and you can – you just want draft picks. I'll give you a third for Traquan. And I'm complete rebuild, 100% taking that. I just couldn't pick my year, and I want 2023, right? Give me that yep. year. Or give me, give, me that, give me that and another one in 24, some crap, and make you overpay. I'll throw back a four or something dumb. But I'll just take a third because <coughs> Traquan's not saving me, right? Yep. But if I'm a contender, I'm like, do I give a fuck about my third round pick? Like in my eyes, that's the 312, right? right? I give a damn about that. I'll take my shot in the dark. So yep. when you're also trying to rebuild, you try and attack those guys. Man, we got a lot to talk about with actually how to turn around a team in the in the dirt, man. Yeah. It's gonna be a hell of a show. Yes, it is. Hell of a be show. A good one. I've already got a bunch of notes from the team that I turned around. Like, all right, how do I articulate this chaos that happened. So next Friday, <laughs> you can tune in. Bradley Stickler, <laughs> yeah. Victory Lap. That'll be a yeah. show. Oh, Let's get them out of here. Don't forget to check out all those articles on FFFair.com. We got rankings. We got articles. Uh, we got those hot by happy hour pods dropping, but it's really those quick hitters by Maddie Daddy 2652, Matt Riser, who founded us, uh, who's been spitting those out with some of the big names. He, he's done some hot mocks. He did one with CBS. He's blowing up, man. Check him out. You can find me at Eric Burkholder 6. You can find Brad at FF Bourbon Dude. Uh, be sure to check out the website one more time, fffair.com. And don't forget to meet us in Canton, Ohio on August 14th and 15th. 25 bucks gets get you in the door, 20 more dollars. Get you into the pre-show party where you can just rub elbows and talk shit and, and drink. Maybe you just drink Coca-Cola or iced tea. Who gives a shit? Just show up. Be part of the community, right? Get in there. And uh, let's just have ourselves one hell of a time. Brad, you got any you got any last thoughts? No, dude, I'm so excited for the expo. It's going to be a blast. We got the venue like this close to lockdown. Can't We can't tell you where it's at yet because there's that little sliver of potential that it's somewhere else. But we're almost ready to start rolling out all the details. I'm super excited about it. We're going to get to drink. We're going to get to talk football. We're going to get to just hang out and have a, have a great time. So I'm excited. All right, fellas and ladies, don't forget, listen, write, review, anywhere and everywhere you get your podcast. We need those. It means big time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us tonight. We'll talk to you on Friday. Later. <laughs>